Welcome to the OKC First Church of the Nazarene podcast. At OKC First, we are learning to do three things, friendship with God, friendship with one another, and open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. My name is Jason Smith, and I'm one of the pastors here at OKC First Church. Um, and I'm looking forward to, to sharing you with, with you this morning, continuing our sermon series in the, in the season of Lent, uh, which has been named Out Of, and the ser- sermon title this morning is Out Of Water. Um, we uh, have, oh, let me make sure this is on, because I want to let you, let you know who this guy is. Um, that is our senior pastor, John Mindorf, and his family, Kelly, with Taylor and Drew. Um, and John is actually our senior pastor. Um, he's been a pastor here for about 23 years um, at OKC First Church. Um, he's not here, so we can say this. We're already, 24th anniversary is this summer, so we need to start gearing up for the 25th anniversary. Um, not this summer, but next summer, and summer of 2015, uh, to celebrate Pastor John. And, and every time I preach, um, I always think, how does he do all that he does as our senior pastor and preach every Sunday? Um, because I'm up here, oh, I need to light the candle. Because when I preach, I'm doing his job, but also my job. And so it's hard to do, be two people at once. And I forgot to light the, the candle, which signifies that God is with us and illuminating this scripture. And I need that. I need that. I, we can't forget that it is not me that is speaking, but it's the Holy Spirit that is giving us words today. Oh, I feel so much better. It's super... It's a super theology nerd thing to do, but you don't know how good that makes me feel that that candle is in front of me. It calms me. Um, and so uh, Pastor John has been here with us um, for many years. He's, uh, I think this summer will be his seventh year. It'll be his seventh anniversary as our senior pastor, if you can believe that, um, at OKC First Church. And I'm grateful for him and his family and his leadership among us. Um, he's built a great team. We love one another and get along. And you are a great church. Um, you are a great church. Uh, it is great to be one of your pastors. It is fun to talk with some of my friends around the nation um, and talk about the opportunities that I've been given um, to be one of your pastors here. Um, Pastor John is in Johannesburg, South Africa at a uh, Nazarene um, International Theology Conference. It's their third one they've done it. I'm not sure. I think there was one in Kenya a few years ago. I should have done more research on it. I sent John an email late last night or early this morning, hey, what are you at again, and, and, and how often do they have it? And I didn't, I didn't know. He didn't respond back, because he's in Africa. Um, so uh, we're grateful for John and his leadership among us, and um, we wanted to pray for him as we get to prayer time after the sermon, and pray for him as he's away, and away from his kids, and uh, away from his wife. And so we are we're grateful for him. And he's been leading us on this sermon series through Lent called Out Of, um, and we're moving uh, towards the cross and towards this Easter season. And I'm looking forward to talking about what that journey of Lent looks like. Pastor John last week talked about the difference, difference between a journey and a pilgrimage. And we talked, he talked about how a journey is going from one place to another, and oftentimes you are changed over the course of this journey. And that's the journey of going to be the journey of Lent for us, is that we are going to be transformed in the journey of Lent. Um, we're going to be looking at that through the, um, through the lens of ex, uh, through Exodus this morning. I almost said exile. I love exile. I preached about exile last time. And we're looking at Exodus this morning. We're in Exodus 17, and Eli did a great job reading that for us. We're going to be talking about your journey through Lent in the light of the Israelites' journey through the wilderness of Exodus. And so well, I want you to be able to take you back quite a ways because we don't just show up at Exodus 17. I don't want to make sure some of you may not know this story. Um, they may be new to this story or may have forgotten a little bit about the Exodus story. So I get a chance to kind of go through some of the scriptures to remind you about what God was doing with the people of Israel in the midst of Exodus. 
And so for the Genesis story, last week, Pastor John preached about God sending Abram, and Abram goes, and he doesn't know where he's going, but he's going to go, and he's going to sort of step out in faith, and he's going to follow God. And God begins to shape and form his people, Abram, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then we get to the story of Joseph at the very tail end of the book of Genesis, and he ends up saving his people from famine by placing them in Egypt. And over time, um, what happens is that they begin to grow and trouble comes. Um, and so in Exodus, in Exodus 1, there's this phrase which sets up for the whole of the book of, of Exodus. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. So the story of Joseph has been lost. Later on, in just in the next chapter, in chapter 2, after a long time, the king of Egypt died. And the Israelites groaned under their slavery. And they cried out. And out of the slavery, their cry for help rose to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God begins to call out and rise up this leader, Moses. And when God calls up and rises up this leader, Moses, he articulates this in chapter 3. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Keep going. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the country of the Canaanites and so on and so forth. And so the rest of the story of Exodus has God working through his people of Moses saying, let my people go. You may know that story, that refrain, the let my people go story of God. Then there are plagues that come. And then that last plague, that really horrible and daunting plague, the, the plague of Passover. And so God liberates his people from the slavery and the horrible captivity of, of the Egyptian slavery. And so in Exodus 12, after Passover, that very day, the Lord brought the Israelites out of the land of Egypt, company by company. So if I were to summarize the Exodus story, which is going to bring us to the complaining, to the complaining Israelites in the desert, you have this. God heard the cries of his people. God liberates his people from slavery, and God is leading his people into the promised land. So I want you to capture that and remember the story of Exodus as we talk about the story of Lent. And what is the story of Lent? It's that God sees us in our sin. God comes to us in Jesus. God liberates us from sin and death and leads us on this journey towards Christlikeness. So that's what we're doing with the story of Lent, and we're going to be looking at it in light of the story of Exodus and some of the stories we have after God liberates his people. So the people of God are moving out of this land of slavery. And something interesting happens. In Exodus 13, God comes to his people. And I, I want us to keep this in mind because I think it's important as we think about the people's journey out of slavery into the promised land and our journey as we move from people who are captivated by sin to people of Christ-likeness. This is in chapter 13, verse 17. 
If you have your Bibles, you may want to look, just keep it in, in Exodus and just maybe flip through, because we're going to be looking through 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, because something is happening here as the people are journeying out of slavery. This is in 13, um, 17, the first part of verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer. For God thought, if the people face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. Now, this verse came in the middle of the Exodus story, and it really, it really grabbed me this week. Because God knew that if they were going to face adversity, if they were going to face trouble, if they're going to face conflict, they were going to forget all that God had done to liberate them out of the years and years of slavery and captivity in Egypt. So I want us to remember that. For God thought, if the people face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. So what happens next? The crossing of the Red Sea. This incredible, incredible, incredible miracle in which God moves his people and this happens right in chapter 14, verse 29. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. God liberates them from Egyptian captivity. They do come up against some trouble. God makes a way for them through the Red Sea and the Red Sea crashes down upon their enemies. In chapter 15, if you turn in your Bibles to that next passage or in your mobile devices, you're looking on there to be able to sort of move through, it'll probably have a little title that says, The Song of Moses. We get to chapter 15, and it's this incredible party. God has liberated us. Our enemies are no more. We have a way, God has made a way for us. We are no longer in captivity. This is when the, this is when the Israelite fireworks go off. This is the party of parties. This is the song of praise as the people of God have been liberated from captivity. God has come and liberated them. Let's rejoice. That's all of chapter 15. So in 16 verse 1 and verse 2, what happens? <laughs> chapter 16 verse 2. The whole congregation. Oh, we just had a fireworks display. I mean, we just had a fireworks display, right, Mark? I mean, this is the biggest party in the history of the people of Israel. God has done something that some people consider to be greater than even creation. He liberated God's people out of slavery. Chapter 16, verse 2. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If we had only died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us into this wilderness to kill us with hunger. So they're hungry. They've been liberated from everything, and they're hungry. And so what does God do in chapter 16? God provides manna and quail for the assembly. Incredible moment in the history of God. There's something at the end there in chapter 16 where it's understanding that as the people gathered up the manna, they ate that manna their entire existence in the wilderness. For 40 years, every day, that manna came to them, and they, God provided Amazing, amazing thing that God does in the land of his people. And we get to chapter 17 next. And this is the scripture that Eli read for us. We're going we're gonna to go through it, and I might skip over some parts, but we're going to move through this scripture as we continue to think about 
how God is moving us and how God moved the people of Israel through the wilderness. And this is interesting. I like this, I like this verse, especially, um, I like this verse especially as we're moving through Lent. From the wilderness of sin. I like that. Let's, let's, I'm going to say that again. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. Where they camped, there was no water. So the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? In the first situation, they said just to kill the whole assembly. Now they even pile it on. You're not even going to kill us. You're going to kill all of our children too and our livestock. So Moses has this moment with God. Moses goes to God and says, um, the Lord says to Moses, go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. An interesting thing here that God does not have them have him take that staff and strike the people. Because <laughs> it seems like that's something that I would have... I, when God says, take that staff and go with you, I'm thinking, okay, but that's the shepherd's staff, right? And there's something that God's doing with his people here that's very interesting to me. God has used this to liberate in the past, and it sounds like he's going to do it again. And this is God saying, I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. That first line is going to be very important for us to remember. I will be standing there in front of you. Moses did so in the sight of all the elders of Israel. He called that place Massa Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? See, this quarrelsome wilderness generation makes an assumption. And that assumption seems quite universal and really kind of natural for us. It's that when they have what they need and they have what they want, they believe that God is with them. It's a natural assumption to make, isn't it? If I have what I need and I have what I want, then God must be with me. But in times of hunger or thirst or affliction or conflict, this wilderness quarrelsome generation, they seem to deem themselves abandoned and betrayed. And maybe even worse, they begin to wonder if God has ever been with them to begin with. And so they asked this honest question, is the Lord among us or not? I told my wife I was going to be doing so much scripture that there was going to be a chance that I would lose the congregation by the time I got to this next move. And so I said, how can I creatively tell the story in a little bit different context? And so I spent some time yesterday and last night creating this video for you, which I hope will articulate... Um, a little bit about the story of the people of God in Exodus 17. If you could dim the lights, 
We haven't tried with the sound, but I think we're ready. Here is a different take on Exodus 17, 1 through 7. Weekend Update with Seth Myers. Welcome to Weekend Update. I'm Seth Myers. Here are tonight's top stories. We begin this evening with one of my favorite segments, Really with Seth. We're in Exodus 17. The people of God are complaining about water. Really? Water? Did you forget about the meat that God provided for you just last chapter? The quail that spread all over your camp? You're going to complain about a little bit of water? Really? How about the manna God provides for you? Bread raining down from heaven that God provides you all over your camp. It's there every morning. And now you're out of water? You're going to complain about a little bit of water? Speaking of water, how about the water that God parted into the entire Red Sea, allowing you to draw, walk through on dry ground, away from the slavery that you were captivated in from Pharaoh? God liberates you from slavery through water. And now you're out of water and a little bit thirsty. Let's talk about slavery. Your whole life were existed to make brick after brick after brick after brick. And in your misery, you cry out to God, and God hears your answer and liberates you. And now, you're complaining about a little bit of water. Did you forget? Really? Really. This has been Really with Seth. Thank you. That was so sweet of you. I had so much fun doing that. You may see more videos in the future, maybe for our announcement time. I had so much fun. Um, really, though? I, it's a good thing that this is only a problem for the Israelites. <laughs> Isn't it great with all of our modern technology and all of our reminder apps and production apps? I love to go through the app store on iTunes and look at the production apps, how I can be more productive with my life, how I can remember everything. The reminders app, I've, I just put something on my calendar. And uh, it'll remind me a day before, 15 minutes before, five minutes before. I, I, I can ask my wife, I never forget anything at all, right? Never. I never forget. It's a good thing that forgetfulness is only a part, only really a problem for the Israelites. But man, I've been thinking about this a lot um, this week, about forgetfulness. Um, and this story, really, which really is a story of a faithful God, a forgetful people, and a faithful God. It's so easy to forget and to lose perspective and to lose really big picture ideas of, of what's going on. And um, I've been thinking about that in light of some of my kids. I have a six-year-old and I've got an 18-month-old, and they are... Um, Incredible, incredible kids, but I get kind of, kind of annoy me sometimes. Right? Like, I just want my six-year-old to do exactly what I want her to do in the, exactly the way I want her to do it, and she doesn't do either of those things most of the time. And so when my anger rises up within me, I've completely forgotten that God has given me two incredible kids. I want you to get a minute to think about creatively in your own minds. 
what are some of the things that you complain about that you've completely lost the big picture perspective um, of the gifts that God has given you? Take a moment just to to think about um, some of those things. This happens a lot in churches. Um, And you hear this passage being a famous one that that pastors like to go to and when pastors are trying to move a congregation from one place to another. Not that we have any of those issues here at OKC First Church. Um, But you hear pastors and you read a lot of of commentaries this week about people who um, have fine things to complain about in the life of their church that they've forgotten everything and every gift that God has given us. So this is a story about us, but it's a story about us and a story about the people of God. So what happens in Exodus? God frees his people from slavery. God sustains them in the wilderness. And God creates this new life and new land in amazing and incredible ways. I recently got done taking a class with Dr. Dan Boone at, um, through Nazarene Theological Seminary. On the, it was held at the campus at Trevecca. And one of the most interesting books that we read was a book called Transitions by William Bridges. Um, and it's been really in my thoughts a lot. And those of you who've um, talking to me on a day-to-day basis, like, oh, this book again. Oh, goodness, Jason. But I now I get a chance to share with all of you, which I'm very excited. I saw a couple of smiles from a couple of my friends, Jeremy and Jeremy, look at me like, boy, I can't talk to Jason for more than five minutes until he brings up this book. But there's something happened in this book that made me pay attention, and I think it's what happens in our lives, and I think it's what happens to the Israelites in Exodus. See, he said that every transition in your life, and I want you to think about a recent transition that's happened in your life. It can be a major transition or it can be a minor transition. But think about some of the transitions in your lives. And I'm going to talk about that in the light of a journey. Think about your journey. Rather than starting with a story that would say there's a beginning, a middle, and an end, he says every transition starts with an end. And there's a loss of something, and something ends in your life. And then there's this neutral zone, sort of this uncomfortable place, this uncomfortable middle that where you begin to find yourselves. And, And when you are ending something in your life, oftentimes you move to a place where there's discomfort and disenchantment, and there's an, there's an uncomfortable space in between before you get to this new beginning of your life. Um, and it just caught my eye, just Matt Fleischer. I, I didn't, I'm going to pick on Matt. Matt just made a career change. This is, I didn't practice this at all, Matt. I hope this is okay. I'm picking on you. Um, Matt's had a significant career change. And so his, rather than saying, looking at his story as a new beginning and then a middle and then an end, what you've got is you, you have loss of something. You've, you've moved from one job to a completely new adventure. And I'm guessing, Matt, you have these moments where there's this uncomfortable middle where you don't know what that journey's going to look like. And then you're hoping and looking towards that new beginning, that new future where God's going to place you in. And, and, and I'm guessing that that's not just a story about Matt. I'm guessing all of you have a story where God is moving you from one place to another. And it's difficult to move out of the old way because we know that old way. We understand that old way. We kind of fit that old way. It's kind of like a good spot on your couch. I know how this feels, right? And even though it's not great, I know how it feels and I'm comfortable there. 
And when we move to a new place, there's this place where this new seat just doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right. And so Lent is this uncomfortable middle where I believe the transformation of our lives take place and your character is formed. And I want us to be able to, as we move from Ash Wednesday to our Holy Week services, which is on Thursday night, we gather and we, and we have this foot washing service. And then on Friday, we have a tenebrae service. And then on Sunday, we come back after, on Friday night, we leave in darkness and quiet. We come back on Sunday morning and see that cross exploding in white. Spoiler alert, he rises again and we celebrate we're moving to these moments of remembering the death and resurrection. And God is transforming us along this journey of Lent. And I think the message of the passage today for us, as we look at the character of God and the character of human persons, is that we need to be remembered as God is transforming us, that God is with us in these middle moments of our lives. See, God can take a rock and bring forth water. Jesus can take blindness and bring sight. He can take leprosy and bring cleanness. This is the story of God. He takes death and brings life. And so God can take your sin and bring Christ-likeness. We believe that God can transform you. This is the power of the gospel. This is what it means to be Wesleyan. For those of you who may not know what that word means, is we are a church of the Nazarene, which is, follows after the theology of John Wesley. And if someone were to ask me, what is the gospel? I would say, oh, the good news of the gospel for a Wesleyan is this, that God is in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I get to talk to the teens. I try to do this every sermon. Okay, teens, this is us ministry Sunday, right? We believe that God can take whatever is in your life and can transform you towards Christ-likeness. That you do not have to live all of your life in the known sin you have now. Some of you probably have a situation in your life when you think, I will never change. This is how I will always be. As Wesleyans, as people who follow after really the mission of Jesus Christ through his life, death, and resurrection. We believe that you can be changed. Someone asked me why I thought about what, I thought about sin. And, and, and Lent is a time when we really talk about sin. Um, I noticed I talked to three or four guests. This is one of those, I see some of my friends over here. There's Drew and there's Lumber Lady, or, or I guess I could call her Patsy. Um, I, I, this is one of those sermons when you preach during Lent, it's not one you really want to go out and invite your friends to. Because you guys, I love you guys. We sit next to one another at the Thunder Games and we, I just love you guys only for years. But you don't necessarily come out and invite your friends to the sermon where you're gonna say, hey, you have sin in your life and you need to change and be transformed. That's not a real easy sermon to invite your friends to, right? But in this season of Lent, that's what we're doing in these moments. And so what is sin? And I, I wanna look at our kids again. What, what is sin in your life? And, and I've thought about listing all of the sins I could think about. Because when I was a kid, if the pastor didn't mention my sin, I was off the hook that Sunday. 
I heard an amen over here. Did you feel the same way? Oh, man, if, if my pastor didn't mention what I was struggling with at the time, I just went, Phew. wasn't preaching to me this morning. And I loved, always felt so good. I always felt like, God, well, God, God took care of me. God was speaking to somebody else today. And I thought, well, that's probably the wrong attitude. Um, surely the wrong posture to listen to a sermon. If I can just listen and find my way out of any correction that he needs in my life, then I can go on my way and enjoy the game. In fact, what's the score, right? And so I begin to sort of, well, let's talk about sin and let's talk about sin. And there's all sorts of definitions for sin. And the one I wanted to find this week, especially as I talk to you guys and that's Ministry Sunday, is anything that keeps me from loving God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength and my neighbor as myself. What gets in the way of my wholehearted love and devotion from God and loving my neighbor? Man, that's hard, right? Our former pastor, Steve Green, always talked about sin is, sin creates victims. Sin has, creates a victim. And, and so this is another, another thing I want to say is that what in my life ke- helps me keep hurting myself or keep hurting people? And, and the power of the gospel is that God can transform whatever that sin is in your life and make you a new creation. Um, Because this is a story about a faithful God, a forgetful people, and a faithful God who is able to come to us and say, I will be with you through the transformation process. And that's what Lent is. Lent is a time when God deals with us and transforms our lives. Zach, and and I want you guys to go ahead and come up. We're going to be transitioning, and and you've picked out this song, and and it was so good. It was so good. Oh, thanks, guys. Go ahead and come on up if you're you're going to to be helping here, because I want you to sing this song. We're going to have a time of response, because the time of response is... um, there's all sorts of ways to respond um, to these words. You, and you're, none of you are off the hook because I define sin as anything that keeps you from loving God with your whole heart and neighbors yourself. And I think that probably there's something in all of our lives that keeps us from there, that keeps us captive in ways. Um, and so the guys are going to play this song, and, and, and you're, I want you to listen to the words because it's perfect. Zach, it's perfect. Thank you. It's perfect. Um, they've played it already, but I want you to listen to it with new ears as you hear this. Um, but you've got a variety of different ways to respond. Uh, one of those ways to respond is this is a new message for you, that God is in Christ reconciling the world to himself and that I have the sin of my life, I can be transformed and I don't have to just manage it. That might be new to you. And good news, we believe that you can be transformed from the sin that causes hurt in your lives towards the very image of Jesus Christ. We believe in the process of Christ-likeness and transformation. And so you may have something where you say, God, I, I never thought that I could change. Um, I thought this is how you made me and I would just struggle the whole of my life. Um, I've got a habit or a practice um, that brings me down and I can't escape. Um, and I want to ask that you might change me. Um, There's also some of you who have believed that and you've experienced life and God has launched you and you've said yes and you've gotten to this wilderness journey, this wilderness area of your life and you've said, God, where are you? I, you said you would change me, and I'm no different. 
I can't get rid of this quality about myself that allows me to just be stuck. And so you've given up and you're just sort of managing life. I want you to say it again, have an opportunity to say, God, would you continue to transform me? There's also some of you, um, you can respond in this way very appropriately. You may be asking that question, is the Lord among us or not? You might be there and you might be able to say, in these moments as we pray and as we sing, um, to be able to just, it's okay to ask that question. One thing I found really interesting about the passage, God doesn't get them in trouble and strike them for asking the question. It's okay to ask, God, are you here? And if you want to pray any of those prayers, this altar is going to be open. I ask love for us to stand and respond and sing. I'm going to ask Zach to play this whole song for us. Um, and we'll have a moments of prayer and response after this. Um, but Zach and Andrew, lead us in this song as we continue to respond. And if you take, want to take these moments, the altar will be open for, for prayer if you want to respond in this place. As we continue in prayer, I want to let you know you can take whatever posture is most comfortable for you. Some of you want to come and place a hand on someone that's here. Others of you want to make sure you know and are aware that either these padded altars are an opportunity for you to come and, and have either Linda over here or Walt over here pray and anoint you for healing. We believe that God can has the power to heal. And if you have any um, physical or relational ailment that you would ask God, that you would say, I would really like healing. Um, we would love for you to come to one of those altars and someone will find you and pray with you and anoint you with oil for healing. Otherwise, take the posture that's most comfortable for you as we continue in these moments of prayer and response. Um, the song was so perfect. Thanks, Zach. Um, as we respond together, just um, perhaps this is the refrain that you just need to say to yourself as a reminder, because um, you forget that we just sung over and over again, but to even pray these words now, God, you are faithful. God, you are faithful. God, you are faithful. I'm pretty convinced that we each came in here with something in our lives, a conflict, a situation that needed perhaps these words to be spoken into. And so think about that, that uncomfortable middle, that transition, that neutral zone, whatever that may be for you, that place of uncomfort. And allow God even in these words to listen, to God speak to you in those uncomfortable places. I am faithful. I am faithful. I am faithful. Jesus, it's my prayer that as, as we respond, as people who have sung this refrain, never once did I ever walk alone. There, there may be people who say, that's not my testimony. I'm walking alone right now through this. Lord, my prayer is that your spirit would speak to their spirit even now and that, God, that they would know that they're not alone, but also that, God, you would allow people in the room and in their lives to be able to know where that hand upon their back or that phone call or that text message, um, that hug, that how are you doing, um, that they would feel like they're not alone. 
God, my prayer, together, God, we pray as a congregation for those who are lonely or feel alone this morning, that even, God, you aren't with them. God, we lift those people, us, such a common feeling. So, God, would you be with us who feel alone this morning? we also have a specific prayer that, God, you would begin or begin again the transformation process of our lives that we may be moved from the sin in our lives to Christ-likeness. And that's not an easy journey. It's going to take friends and help and spiritual formation to move from here to there. And so, Lord, I ask that if there are people who are making some of those decisions where they're saying, God, I give this to you the sin in my life that I know is there that I just have sort of begun to manage or I just know that this is how I'm always going to be, Lord. But if there's a new reality, Lord, it's my hope and prayer for us for making that decision that, God, you would move us and transform us, allowing us the sorts of spiritual formation, habits and practices and friendships to move us from one place to the other. Finally, God, I especially pray for... um, those of us uh, who really resonated with the passage or resonated with lives where we um, wonder where in the world you are or struggle with faith, struggle and are here, but we're not even sure why. Lord, I ask that you would come to those of us in the congregation who have that feeling and your presence be strong with us and sustain us in these moments. God, we are so forgetful. Help us this morning and remind us of how much you have done for us. Let me continue in prayer now and pray for a few folks in our congregation and really around the world that we ask that God you give a specific touch for. We want to start by praying for our pastor and his family. And God, thank you for Pastor John and for his leadership and his life among us. Ask God you be with Kelly and Taylor and Drew as John's away this week and bless their lives together. Be with John. Um, Lord, I ask that God, uh, you would continue and shape and mold our pastor after the very image of your son, Jesus. Bring him back renewed and energized for, for what he has and what you have in store for all of us together. In Student Ministry Sunday, we want to pray for specifically our students. Um, if you know a student, it might be someone who's a friend or a, your own child. Um, so pray for that person that God's putting in your mind now and pray for someone in our 6th grade through 12th grade and beyond ministry. If you don't know someone in that age group, just look down here and kind of pick a head and pray for that head. Lord, I ask you to be with, with Pastor Mike and Karen and their life together. Lord, and the team he's put together, including Zach and others and interns and sponsors. Ask God that you would be with them with the incredible opportunity to, to shape lives after the very image of Jesus. In light of our student ministries, God, we pray for those 
kids around the church who aren't in here, our children's ministry, our nursery, and ask God that you would allow us the opportunity to love and to cherish and to grow them up to look like you. In light of that, God, we pray for our kids and our teens who are involved and, and families involved in our outpost ministry. Um, week in and week out, our teens who serve hot dogs at these apartment complexes and friendships grow and Christ is shared through a smile and a hug and information. Our after-school tutoring program through the Cole Community Impact Organization. Um, this kids club program and Hope Academy where lives are being mentored and changed through our presence and the presence of Christ. Lord, we ask you to benefit and be with these ministries. God, we ask that you be with the completion of the Cole Center, that God, day by day, as we get closer to these moments, that God, you would continue to, to strengthen this team and Lord, things would go smoothly. And in light of that, we God pray for our neighborhood, our city, our nation, and our whole world um, for your presence and our recognition of your presence among us. God, shape and form us after the very image of your son who taught his disciples today this, to say this prayer, and we'll say this prayer together using debts and debtors this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Like us on Facebook at Oklahoma City First Church of the Nazarene. Or follow us on Twitter at OKC First Church.